So John 15, I'm going to read verses 1 through 11 in the New King James. It says this. This is the, the, the Lord Jesus himself speaking. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather him and throw him into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so that you will be my disciples. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments... You will abide in my love just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. Amen. Let's pray over our time in the word. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are beckoning, calling us to abide in you, to remain in you, to connect to you, the true vine. Lord, help us today to continue to do that, Lord God, as we go through your word today, as we have worshiped and prayed and are fellowshipping together, ultimately, Lord, we want to connect to you and, Lord God, bear the fruit that you've called us to bear. Help us, Lord, to receive this word. Help me as I preach your word. Lord, I cannot do this on my own, nor do I want to. Holy Spirit, I need your help today, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. You know, a while back, uh, there was an Associated Press uh, report released that a study was done that an in, of an agricultural school in Iowa. It reported that production of 100 bushels of corn, listen to this, 100 bushels of corn from one acre of land, in addition to many hours of the, the, the farmer's labor, required 4 million pounds of water, 68 million, uh, 68,000, I'm sorry, pounds of oxygen, 52,000 pounds of carbon, 160 pounds of nitrogen, 125 pounds of potassium, 75 pounds of yellow sulfur, and other elements too numerous to list. In addition to all of these, which no man can produce, right? Not all of that stuff. Rain and sunshine at the right time for any crop is critical, right? It's estimated that only 5% of the produce of a farm can be attributed to the efforts of a man or of a person, right? So according to Jesus, it's the same way with us when it comes to our spiritual life. Our spiritual fruit. That's what basically, that's what Jesus is saying. In the parable here that he's talking about, he's using him as, as the vine, right? And us as the branches of a grapevine. And he's saying, apart from me, you can do nothing, right? So, I mean, farmers work hard. They have technology now. They have big tractors, AC, all of that kind of stuff. But still, research shows that only 5% of what man does actually can help produce the crop. Ultimately, Christ is our lifeline in everything, right? We will not produce fruit if we think it is us that makes our spiritual life work. Then we won't, we won't produce the fruit that Christ is talking about here. While we may have some responsibility, and we do, we have to make a choice, and there's disciplines in our spiritual growth, it's really the work of Christ in us that gives us 
this abundant life that Jesus is talking about. Jesus said, I am the true vine, right? The word true obviously means real and genuine. Then he goes on to say, abide in me, or I'm going to read from the New Living a little bit later, or remain in me, or you can say stay connected, right? I mean, however you want to say it, it means the same thing. Actually, the Greek word for abide is meno, and it means to remain, to stay closely connected. I love this, to settle in for the long term. This word abide is describes a profound, intimate, and enduring relationship. See, we cannot gain the permanence of the relationship with Christ again in our own effort. This relationship is only made permanent through the gracious indwelling of God in our lives through his spirit. This mutual relationship between God and the believer is not a fleeting, temporary commitment, but an enduring, permanent, and praise God, an eternal relationship, right? Amen. That's what's so important about abiding in the vine. So today I want to show you the process and the produce, since Jesus used the analogy, right, of the produce. I mean, let me stop here and say it's springtime. So how many of y'all have green thumbs that have already been working in your garden? Maybe plants, flowers. I know Brother Francis, you go, I mean, we could all, you know, he, he has a bumper crop sometimes, right? So I know some of you, springtime, you're, you're looking at your garden, whether it's just flowers or produce, right? Uh, let's look at the process and the produce that comes from staying connected to Christ as illustrated through the grapevine. Number one, we can expect fruit from being connected to Christ. We can expect fruit, right, if we stay connected to Christ. John 15, 5 in the New Living says, yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain, same word as abide, remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, I love this, you can do nothing. Actually, I love praying that verse. Many days I pray, Lord, apart from you, I can do nothing. You, you hear it sometimes when I pray before I preach. But then I go to, but, but through you, Lord, I can do all things, right? And I, it just reminds me that it doesn't matter how much I've, I've, I've prayed and prepared and studied and, and whatever, apart from Christ, apart from the, the Spirit of Christ in me today, I can do nothing. I will fall flat on my face every time, right? So just as a side note, that's a good scripture to pray. Lord, apart from you, I can do nothing but I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, right? So let's talk about that. We can expect fruit. So what is fruit? When, when Jesus talks about fruit, obviously in this, he's using the grapevine as an analogy. He's not talking about physical fruit. What is spiritual fruit? Spiritual fruit can be a thought, an attitude, or action of ours. Listen to this, that God values because it glorifies him. Spiritual fruit should glorify God, not ourselves. And that's what the scripture tells us. Look at what Jesus said in, in John 15, 8. We're just going right through this, this scripture again. When you produce much fruit, you are truly my disciples. First of all, that's how you know somebody's truly a disciple of Christ. If they're producing much fruit. I mean, that's what, it, that's what Jesus says. This brings great glory to my Father. Spiritual fruit is something that glorifies God. And that magnifies us. Amen. So there's several different kinds of fruit in the, in the Bible. I'm not going to read all these scriptures. You can jot the references down if you'd like. Romans 1.13 tells us that we produce fruit when we win others to Christ. That's fruit, right? When we win souls to Christ, when we lead people into a saving relationship with Jesus by praying for him, by presenting the gospel, whatever it may be, that's fruit. Romans 1.13. Romans 6.22 says that as we grow in holiness and obedience, we're bearing fruit. Right? That's what I was praying earlier. We become more like Christ in, in holiness and in obedience, right? That, that's a, that's a part of fruit. Then Romans 15, 28, Paul considered giving to be a fruit 
uh, a, a Christian fruit from a dedicated Christ-centered life. So it goes back to obedience when you give, when you tithe, obviously, or just above that when you give, maybe to missions offering or, you know, Compassion National or just any kind of, any, any way you give. And not only financially, but again, all of you that are serving, come on, appreciate the serve team. Why don't we give it up for our serve team right now, our incredible serve team. See, we use the word give a lot, and it is part of, you know, uh, finances, but it's also giving of your time and your talents, right? When you serve as ushers and people in the sound booth and intercessory prayers, you know, there's people praying for us right now. I don't know if you knew that, but every service, at both services, after worship, whenever we all meet and greet and sit down, a prayer team goes up, and they're literally praying for you and me right now throughout the whole service. You might not have known that. That's, that's, we call that the engine room of the service. People are covering us in prayer literally right now. And that's the first place I've served there at Family Life was on the, the intercessory prayer team. One, because I wanted to serve. Two, because I didn't know how to pray. And I wanted to get around people that knew how to pray. And it helped me. It helped me to grow in prayer, right? So, I mean, from kids' life to, again, security team, there's so many people serving. But giving is spiritual fruit. Then, of course, what we land on a lot, it just goes back to attitudes and thoughts and, and whatnot, what, what Galatians calls the fruit of the Spirit, which is a character that glorifies God. And makes Christ real to others. This goes back to what I was saying earlier, how you walk through the trials, right? Let's read Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But the Holy Spirit produces, look what it says, this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If these are operating in your life, especially if they wasn't, was not operating in your life before, that's fruit. That's how you know you've been born again. You're a disciple and the Holy Spirit begins to work these things in our lives. Then uh, Colossians 1.10 tells us that any good works, again, any service or any, is a form of fruit. When you help people out throughout the day or throughout life, that's also fruit. So the Bible talks about a lot of different types of fruit. Again, you can jot those down, go back and look at them. Uh, but look at Psalm 1.3, what it says about the righteous person. Psalm 1.3 says, the righteous person, they are like trees planted along the riverbed, bearing fruit each season. And I love when it says the righteous person. Well, what, was, what does that mean? Does that mean we, we got to be righteous and when we mess up, we're not bearing fruit? No, no, no. Look, remember what 2 Corinthians 5.21 says. It tells us we're the righteousness of God in Christ. So you see that? It goes back to connecting to the vine. When you're in Christ, when you're connected to Christ, you will uh, uh, produce fruit in each season, even again in the trials. I didn't plan on saying that earlier when I was praying. I just felt led to say that. But remember, even if you're going through the thick of the trials right now, you could still bear fruit. Matter of fact, most, a lot of fruit comes from when we are going through trials. It refines us and we, we learn patience. We learn, you know, all these things, faithfulness, right? And again, it can be a powerful witness to the world. See, a lot of people say they're Christians. Some even go to church. Some may even know a lot of scripture. But the true evidence is, is there fruit in their lives? Let me make it personal. Is there fruit in your life? Because we, look what Jesus said in Matthew 12, 33. A tree is identified by its fruit. If a tree is good, its fruit will be good. If a tree is bad, its fruit will be bad. I was like, yeah, but he's talking about trees there, Brandon. No, he's using an illustration. Drop down two verses. A good person, verse 35, produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. You know, the majority of America will, will say they're Christians. I think it's like 80-something percent of America say they're Christian. Does our nation look 80% saved to you? N not even close, right? People say they're Christians, but Jesus said, here's the telltale sign. 
You produce fruit. How do you produce fruit? You abide in the vine. You stay connected to Christ, right? So my question for you is, what kind of fruit are you producing? Are you producing fruit at all? Jesus even talks about in this scripture, is there, first of all, is there no fruit? Is there some fruit? Is there more fruit or do you have much fruit in your life? See, if you're connected, if you say, I am a Christian, I am Christ-like, is what that word means. I'm a born-again believer. You should have some fruit. I listed a bunch of them and we can get into all of that, but, but you can even just look at the fruits of the Spirit. Is it serving? Is it giving? Is it leading people to Christ? There should be something in your life, especially if it wasn't there before Christ, then it started producing after you've gotten saved and continued to walk with the Lord. Are y'all tracking with me this morning? So we can expect fruit when we're connected to Christ, abiding in Christ. Number two, now let's get into it a little bit more. Let's look at the process of pruning and discipline. There's two different things the Lord says here in the Scripture. There's pruning and discipline. Look at, at John 15, 2. Every branch in me, <clears throat> excuse me, that does, does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. So there's two different things there. The Greek word "ario" here for take away can mean take away or lift up. Now, some translations say cut away. But again, if you understand the culture and the agriculture at the time, I'm going to get into that. This seems more likely that the Greek word "ario" is used here for take up or take away or lift up. See, again, when he was speaking to the people at the time, they knew agriculture, right? I know over the years, Brother Francis, he's helped me a lot with scriptures because of understanding agriculture, and he taught me some things and said, we often don't. So along this line, we're talking, Jesus is using the example of a vineyard, right? I'm the vine, right? You're the branches. He's talking about a grapevine. I, I, I did some, uh, some study in years back, and I found out I read about a man who interviewed growers in a vineyard. <clears throat> The grower said that when new branches uh, start growing, they tend to trail down and they grow along the ground and the leaves get coated with dust. When it rains, then the leaves get muddy and mildewed. Now listen to this. The interviewer asked the grower, what do you do? Cut them off? The grower said, oh no, they're way too much valuable for that. They're way too valuable for me to just cut them off. He said, no, what we do is we lift them up, we wash them off, then we wrap them around or tie them up so they can get sunlight, and pretty soon they start thriving again. That's why I know that the Greek word here is arrow. It's lift up. It's to lift up, to take away, to take away from the dirt and the mud because that's the setting. That's the context, right? Jesus is using uh, in, in, this, in this scripture. So what does that say about us when we're abiding in the vine? When we fall into the dirt of the world, so to speak, God doesn't just cut us off or abandon us, right? Because his promise is he'll never leave us nor abandon us, right? But he lifts us up, he cleans us off, and he helps us to flourish again. But you see, sin is like that dirt, right? That's symbolic, right? What the Bible even talks about, throw off your old filthy rags, and put on Christ, right? I remember preaching that one, one time when I was in the youth and I, I was, uh, you know, I used to be a painter for a living. So I had one of my old, uh, 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 painter coats on that I used to wear when I used to paint in the wintertime. Full of paint. It was all nasty looking. And so I used that illustration. I had that on while I was preaching. And when I got to the scripture, throw off the old filthy clothing, right? And put on, then I put on a nice blazer, right? And that's what, that's what the Lord's saying. It's like this dirt is symbolic of sin in our life. So if you're, if you're consistently, your life is not bearing fruit, God will intervene and he'll discipline you. The way he cleans us off a lot of times is through discipline, right? Amen. I know I'll get about four amens on that one. 
His purpose is to cleanse you and free you of sin so that you can live a more abundant life. Why? For his glory. So he can be glorified and so we can be a good witness. Now, I'm going to read quite a few scriptures. We've, we quote this scripture off and on, a few of them, the first two verses. But I want to read Hebrews 12, 1 and, through 11. And it clarifies, like, God, God disciplines us? Absolutely. And Hebrews tells us clearly about that. Hebrews 12, 1 through 11 says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith... Here we go again. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that easily trips us up. So you see, last month, or actually earlier this month, we had a whole freedom series. We had a freedom weekend. And so we saw last week, man, Pastor Todd, didn't he do an incredible job on that message last Sunday? Amen. Yeah, so powerful message. And many people got ministered to. Why? Because we were trying to help you get free from the weights and the sin that, that easily entangles us, right? So let's go on. Let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. Another way of saying we stay connected to Jesus, right? Keeping our eyes on Jesus, staying connected to him, abiding, so to speak. The champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding his shame. Now he is seated in a place of honor besides God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people, then you won't become weary and give up. After all, you have not given your lives in your struggle against sin. And have you forgotten, now listen to this, have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? He's trying to encourage us here. He said, my child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't give up when he corrects you. That makes it clear the Lord does correct us, right? For the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. As you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Who has ever heard of a child who never gets disciplined by its father? If God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, it means you're illegitimate and you are not really his children at all. Since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the father of our spirits? And live forever? For our father, our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years doing the best they knew how. But God's discipline is always good for us. Here it is, going back to the vine, so that we may share in his holiness. If our life is caught up with sin and dirt, he's doing all of this so we can share in his holiness. No discipline is enjoyable Why it ha- is happening. It's painful. But afterwards, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in his way. So if you ever say, well, brother, God don't discipline people, go back to this scripture. How many times did he use the word discipline or correct? But you know what the beauty of it is? He kept using the word children. He's disciplining us because we're his children. Because he loves us. You know, I can remember a man growing up and I never believed him. Every time my dad would spank me and growing up, I got quite a few spankings. Afterwards, he'd always tell me, now, come give me a hug. And he'd tell me, I'm doing this because I love you. And as a kid, I was thinking, you lie. (laughs) Because that hurt. There ain't no way you love me that much because my backside is burning. But But, you know, as I got older, I did realize it. Because, you know, and I mean, he would lose his temper sometimes, stuff. but just the fact that he was hugging me after. And I could see the look on his face. And now as a dad, you know the old saying, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you? I used to always think that was a lie, too. Because I'm like, your backside ain't burning, brother. Mine is, right? But I know what he meant. Those of us that are parents, right? We got, when we discipline, we spank our children, right? It's, it's, we, we're doing it because we love them. You know what the Bible actually says, side note, as parents? If you don't discipline your children, means you don't love them. Did you know that? And it's the same with us. 
As we see here with Christ, so, so the Lord disciplines us. When we get caught up in the world and into sin, part of that, just as a, a vine dresser lifts up, washes off, right? That's what the Lord's doing with us. See, God only has holiness in mind, peace, joy, and other fruit, not misery in mind when he disciplines us, right? You remember what it said at the end of that? It says, afterwards, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. Yeah, it's tough when we go through discipline, right? Just when we discipline our children, if we, when we were kids and maybe got a spanking, it's tough. You know what? But there's fruit that comes from it, right? See, everyone hates pain, but it sure gets our attention. C.S. Lewis said this, God's whispers, God whispers through pleasure, but he shouts through pain. Isn't that good? And it's true. We got, uh, we, we, God has our uninvited attention most times when we're going through it, right? When we're suffering, when we're going through the pain of life. And again, let me be clear about something. Now, God does discipline us many different ways. I don't believe, I was talking to a sister here this week about this. I do not believe God puts sickness on you to discipline you, though. That's a misconception people have, right? And I always look at it this way. You that are parents, would you wish your child gets sick if they were disobeying? No, of course. And Jesus says, us being earthly evil fathers, he was addressing the dads, if, if you give good gifts to your kids, how much more will the Lord give the Holy Spirit? The context was the Holy Spirit, but it shows the character of God. So I don't believe if you got sick, if you have some ailment in your life, Pastor Todd talked about this last week. I mean, it could be other issues, physical issues. It could be exposure to chemicals and stuff. could be a spirit of infirmity, but God does not put sickness on people to discipline. I just want to make that clear before I move on. Amen? But if there is sin in our life, we must acknowledge it and repent of it. Because I believe in different ways the Lord will discipline us, right? That it be through conviction, maybe through allow, the Lord allowing us to walk through different things. We see there clearly Hebrews talks about that. Amen? So now let's talk about pruning. That's the discipline part, pruning something different. If your life bears some fruit, God will intervene to prune you. Listen to this statement. Discipline is from sin. Pruning is from self. Discipline is from sin. He's disciplined us. If we got sin in our life, pruning is from self. Uh, it, it may not even be from something bad, but let's go back to a real vine dresser or a grower in, in a vineyard. Pruning is the grower's single most important technique for ensuring a plentiful harvest in a vineyard. Some vineyards invest, listen to this, two to three years of training just for the pruners. So they will know where to cut, how much to cut, and even the angle of how to cut the vine. Isn't that amazing? They'll invest two to three years just teaching them just how to prune a vine. Isn't that amazing? See, there's too many leaves on a grapevine. You have to cut some of the leaves off to get more grapes, right? A lot of us know that because the leaves and all that, they'll take the nourishment and you're trying to get the fruit out of it. So they have to prune it. See, the most fruitful Christians are the most pruned ones. The ones that are, uh, get the most pruning done in their life. How does the Father prune us? Well, sometimes he simply uses the word uh, to convict us, to cleanse us, right? I mean, it could be, again, we get convicted. It could be through discipline, but in this way, it could just be pruning. Because, again, sin we know is, is sin, right? It's, it's against the, Lord, the Lord's will. It's against his words, against his law, right? But pruning may not be, again, something that's even sin or bad. Sometimes it, it's, and, and using the analogy of the grapevine, it could be cutting away of dead wood or that might cause trouble. But often he cuts away living tissue, so to speak, that may be robbing spiritual nutrients from us. Just like the leaves are not bad. Leaves are part of a plant or a vine, right? But it's just, it's, it's taking nutrients away from the fruit. See, pruning does not simply mean a spiritual surgery that removes is bad. It can also mean cutting away the good so God can produce better and even his best. 
Amen. Some things that are even good, the Lord wants to, hey, that's not bad, but he wants the best, right? So, you know, maybe it's a relationship you're in. Maybe it's something that's distracting you. Again, that's not bad at all, but it's just a distraction in your life, right? And then maybe we've even talked about this. Look, as much as I just honored the serve team, we've, I've even seen people start serving so much, it's actually distracting their relationship from the Lord. They're doing a lot for God, but it's, 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 they're not producing the kind of fruit in their lives, right? They get tired, they get worn out, they get aggravated, they start snapping at people. And how many of y'all know it's not good if you're a lobby host to snap at people? Right? We want, we want people to be, you know, like, hey, good morning, welcome to family life, right? So that's a good example, I guess, right there. See, yes, again, like discipline, pruning hurts, but it also helps. You may not enjoy it, but you need it. I need it. We need things pruned out of our lives. And just like anything in life, it's how you respond that makes all the difference. You can complain, rebel, compromise, or run away. Or you can experience the joy, comfort, and rest that come to disciples that keep their eyes on the prize, not the pain. See, there's things, there's distractions, it may be hobbies, it may be overworking, again, it may be relationships, whatever the case may be. If we submit to the process and don't look at the pain, whether it's discipline or, or, or pruning, we'll have our eyes on the prize. One more thing, this is really cool about the pruning process. Just like a real vine dresser, when he's pruning, the, the, the grower is never closer, to, more close to the vineyard, to the vine when he's pruning it. So the father's never more close to us than we're going through pruning, right? They got to get right up close and personal when they're pruning a vine. And so we know if you're being pruned, the Lord's close by you. Amen? And again, that's ultimately what we want is to be closer to Christ. Amen? Number three, let's look at the results of remaining connected to Christ, right? So we talked about we can expect fruit. There's a process of pruning and discipline. Now, what's the results of all this, of remaining in Christ? Look, into, look at this. Within six verses in John 15, Jesus says, abide 10 times. If he says something that much, we should pay attention, right? 10 times in six verses, he says to abide or remain. And I guess a more even modern word, we can say connect, stay connected. That's why I used uh, that, that word for the title. His purpose is not that you will do more for him, but that you will choose to be more with him. Let me say that again. It's not that you would do more for him, but that you would desire to be more with him. And I just said that. Some people can, they start serving and all they want to do is do, 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 do for the Lord, go all the, but you know what? There's not that connection anymore. So if you even start serving and you're not connected to the vine, you start serving in your own strength and in, in your own power. And that's when you get worn down. And that's actually also when you start taking glory for yourself. Look what I'm doing over here. I do all kind of stuff at my church, right? Amen. But we got to stay connected. He says, remain in me. Abide in me. He wants you to choose to be with him. Just as we sang earlier, just want to be with you. John 15, 7 and 8. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. Look at verse 11. I tell you these things so that you will be filled with joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. So the results of remaining connected to Christ. Just these four things quickly. Verse 7 uh, says our prayers will be affected. Right? So you can ask and it'll be done. Our prayers will be more effective when we connect to Christ. Why is that? Because when we stay connected to the Lord, we're praying God's will. We're not often left field praying for some, you know, new mansion down by the river or something. You know what I mean? We're praying for what's on God's heart, right? Verse 8, we demonstrate our discipleship. 
that we are disciples. That's what Jesus said. When we stay connected, we're say, we show in and we, we, we know in that we are disciples of Christ if we stay connected with him. And then the second part of verse eight, again, I said it earlier, our fruit glorifies God. And then verse 11, we have overflowing joy. And it goes back to, to trials and hardships. We can have joy in the midst of the trial. But the only way you can have joy in the midst of the trial is if you stay connected. That's it. That's the only way. If you disconnect from the vine, and you, and I could, how do you know you're disconnected, you're not abiding, if there's no joy in your life? Because the Bible tells me that it's not only some joy, it's overflowing joy. That doesn't mean you're happy all the time, you're smiling all the time, but there's a deep resounding joy that's in your heart, right? You can have joy. Remember, happy happiness depends on what's happening. Joy can be constant. Joy can be in the midst of the trial. There's a joy, and we know the joy of the Lord is our strength, right? So these are some results of remaining in the vine. And the fourth and final thing, I want to encourage you now to continue to connect to Christ. So we can expect fruit. There's a process of pruning and discipleship. These are the results. Jesus makes it clear, these four things uh, in the Scripture. But now I want to encourage you as we wrap it up today to continue to connect to Christ. Again, Remain, abide. You know, you could use all the same words. When you abide or remain, you seek, long for, thirst for, wait for, see, know, love, hear, and respond. Listen to the person of God, of who God is. This is we're talking about a personal relationship. Connecting is not just, well, yeah, I'm connected to the church. I come on Sundays, Wednesdays. That's all great. Life groups, next steps. I'm connected. That's good. You're connected to the local church. But he's talking about connecting to the vine, to him personally. That's why, again, our vision for you here is God's vision for you to know God, live free, find your purpose, and make a difference. Knowing God is being connected to the vine, right? Look at what Psalm 42, 1 and 2 says. As the deer pants for water, for the water brook, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, the living God. Come on, that's more than just like, oh, yeah, I'm going to put in my five-minute devotional time. I'm going to read the verse of the day on you version. That's not what David was. If David had you version, it was more than just the verse of the day he was talking about, right? There was a long, he said, I thirst, I long, I pant, right? We have a dog now, and we, we you know, as we play with him, I'm working him in the pond, you know, they, they, dogs pant when they get, they, right? And he's longing for some water when we come in, right? That's what, that's the, the, he used deer as an example, but that's the, the, the picture that we have here. See, listen, abiding starts with reading the word in prayer, but listen to me. It's only the beginning. It's only the beginning. It may shock you to find out that you could be doing these things for years and still not abiding. You say, well, Brandon, you, you, you're killing me here, man. What you talking about? If I'm reading and, and, and if I'm, if I'm, if I'm praying, I'm still not abiding. You may want to write this down. Reading a book about a person isn't the same thing as knowing the person who wrote the book. It's your approach in which you're going into reading the scriptures for. Knowing, reading a book about a person isn't the same as knowing the person who wrote the book. If you're going into your time in the word every day to know him, to know him better, to love him, to, to seek him as the, the person he is, not to just know about him, not just to have facts. That's how you know you're abiding. In order to truly abide in Jesus, we must deepen the quality of our devotion time with God. See, set apart the kind of time that will build relationship, not just check off a box. 
You're trying to build relationship. All of us that have spouses are married or maybe even dating, right? When you spend time, you didn't just go through your, your schedule and say, okay, I'm working today, then I'm going to the gym, and then, oh yeah, I got to go spend time with my girlfriend, fiance, or wife, and it's just like you check. No, when, when you, especially when you first were dating and engaged, you were spending time to build that relationship, to get to know them. Was it just checking off a box? Like, I, I have to go do that. No, you wanted to do that. It's the same when it comes to Christ. I love this about the word. Look what Colossians 3.16 ESV says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Come on, that's more than just surface reading to go to check off a box. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. See, in order to truly abide in Jesus, we must broaden our devotion, our devoted time, taking it just from a morning appointment to an all-day attentive to his presence. So we talked about in January, living in his presence, right? It wasn't just a, yeah, it starts with that devotion time, but it's an all-day. I have a brother, I just thought about this. There's a brother here in the church where he said he has his daily time uh, with the Lord in the morning, but then, you know, when he's at his desk, when he can sneak a few minutes, he always has the Bible app open on his phone so he can do a little bit of studying or, or just throughout the day still get some more word in him. Come on, that's kind of the, the mindset. Or just be mindful that when you have some time in, 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 in the car, don't just listen to another news program. Put on some worship. Maybe pray. If somebody, you're thinking about somebody, something's bur- throughout the day trying to have that time where you just recognize. Sometimes, again, I'll have worship music playing, and man, I just sense God's presence so strong, and it's just, it's a blessing just to be attentive to his presence and talking to him all through the day, right? See, God invites each of us to tap into his presence and power all the time. So just a few, as we wrap it up, let me just a few tips about abiding. Abiding in the vine, staying connected to Christ, is not based on feelings. You need to know that. It's not based on feelings. Communion with God is a relationship, not a sensation. A relationship, not sensation. When we're communing, when we're abiding, when we're connected, it's about a relationship, not a sensation, right? There can be times, those of us that have been married for a little while, do you always feel the butterflies and tingles every time you see your spouse? No, right? Come on, thanks. Somebody was honest. Was it Dana? Did you, does that you, brother? Thank you. Thank you. I noticed his wife's not here, though. I don't know. So that might be why he said, no, I'm just joking. <laughs> no, but you're right, brother. Thank you, Dana. You're helping me out. You just helped me and I just, I just shot you. No, but that was a joke. So, uh, but it's true though, right? But, but we're still in relationship, right? You're still, even when we don't feel it, we still love them. We're in relationship with them. See, abiding is an act of faith. Let me say this. If you think you have to have strong feelings to know you've been with God, you'll walk away disappointed. You'll walk away disappointed. If you think like, well, I didn't feel it today. I didn't feel the Holy Ghost bumps, you know. I didn't feel the, the like this. You know, sometimes you do. Sometimes I read my Bible and I'm just like, man, I, I, my mind's all over the place, right? I look at it this way. Sometimes I have to go back and read, but I look at it, at least I'm getting the word of Christ inside of my spirit. I might be all over the place. And what's amazing is... I could be reading in the morning and be so distracted, but my heart's, I really want to get closer to Christ. And it's amazing how something I read that morning will come back up later in the day, either for me or for somebody I'm talking to. It's like, man, that time wasn't wasted. So thank God we're not depending on feelings. You don't have to feel it, right? It's not based on feelings. It's based on faith. And then the last thing is that we cannot abide in Jesus without obeying him. We can't abide in him without obeying. John 15, 10, Jesus said, if you keep my commandments, you abide in my love. If, if you keep my commandments. Some people think they can re- rebel and abide. It don't work that way. 
You got to be obedient to Christ and to his word if you're going to stay connected to the vine. Amen. So as I close, Acts 4.13, I love this. This is one of my favorite scriptures in the New Testament. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men. By the way, Peter and John had just finished preaching to to the council here. So they can see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. But I love this. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. Man, I love that scripture. Ordinary men. I just, how many of y'all can relate? When I read that, they're just ordinary men. You know, it's just some cool from down the bayou, right? It's just ordinary guy that just, you know, no special training, but they recognized they had been with Jesus. And that's where their bonus and their love and their passion came from. See, when we stay connected to Christ, we won't have to tell people we've been with Jesus. They'll recognize it. You ain't going to have to tell people, walk around telling people, I'm a Christian and I'm all that. They'll recognize when you stay connected to the vine. Amen? And the, the chapter right before, as I said, actually Peter was preaching. And this is what he said when he was preaching in the temple. Very last scripture, and we're going to pray. Acts 3, 19 and 20. Now repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. Then times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord, and he will again send you Jesus, your appointed Messiah. Now, he was preaching to the Jews, right? But we all know, right, that Jesus is everybody's Messiah, right? He's the Messiah of the whole world, and, and, and the truth is the same for all of us. The first thing you have to do to connect to Christ is you have to repent of your sins and turn to God. I'm encouraging mainly the church today in connecting to the vine. If you've been born again, you've been saved, I want to encourage you to get get back connected, stay connected. But for some of you in here, you may have never connected to, to Jesus. Maybe you've come to church. Maybe it's your first time. Maybe you watch it online. You just tuned in or you've been watching and just kind of, you know, kicking the tires of Christianity, so to speak. And you never truly repented of your sins and turned to God. See, the word repent means to rethink. It means to turn away. If you turn away from something, you have to turn towards something, right? That's why the Bible says repent and turn to God. We have to turn away from our sin, our sinful life, and turn to Christ. Because the truth is, the Bible says we've all sinned, right? Romans tells us, and fall short of God's glorious standard, and the wages of sin is death. And that word death is eternal death, because the next verse says, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Would you do me a favor and bow your heads with me and close your eyes? Even if you're watching at home or at work, if you got a minute, if you could just bow your head just so you don't get distracted. We do this just so people don't get distracted. I know I'm easily distracted, especially if I'm looking around. I just want you to focus right now. Focus on the Lord. Again, Mr. Chris Gumpert, he was 57 years old and we did his funeral yesterday. Many of you are that age and even younger in here or maybe even older, should I say it this way? We're not promised tomorrow, church, right? We know that how quickly this life can end. As Pastor Todd said yesterday at the funeral, we know that Mr. Chris put his faith in Christ. And so we could rejoice with him knowing that he's spending eternity in the presence of God. But what about you? What if it was your funeral we were doing here yesterday? Where would you be at in eternity? We're all, eternity, when you breathe the last, it's going to start. Everybody's going to spend eternity somewhere, either with the Lord or eternally separated from God in a fiery hell that was never intended for you. Jesus said it was intended for the devil and his demons. Jesus died on the cross and made a way for you to be saved, but we must repent. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you say, Brandon, I don't know if I ever connected to the vine, to Jesus at all, if I've ever repented. I'm not sure if this was my funeral here yesterday, right here in this building, where I would be at in eternity. But man, I want to be sure today I want to get my life right with Christ. If that's you, just slip up your hands and say, Brandon, I want to surrender my life to Christ today. 
I need to, I need to get right with the Lord. Come on, if that's you, just slip up your hand. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Sir, I see your hand in the back. Thank you for being bold. Anybody else? Thank you, Lord. Over here, sir, I see you. Over here, thank you. Thank you. Over here to my right. All right, hands still going up. Amen. Or you say, man, Brandon, maybe once I was connected to the vine, but you know what? I went back to my lifestyle of sin. I've, I've, I've backslidden, as it's, it's been saying. I've gone away from the Lord. If that's you, I'm praying for you. I was praying for you this morning, prodigal sons and daughters. You say, Brandon, you know what? I haven't been, I haven't been connected to the vine. I've actually been, I've turned my back on Christ. But today, I want to resurrender my life. If that's you, just slip up your hand and say, I want to start afresh today. That's me today. I want to start a new life. I want to resurrender my life to the Lord. Amen. Sir, over here, I see you. Amen. Amen. Thank you. I'll see you over here, sir. Another hand going up. Thank you. I'm thanking you for being bold. Praise God. Thank the Lord for his mercy. Come on. For those of you that raised your hand, for either one of those, come on. The Bible says if you believe in your heart, where believe means to trust and confess, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved. Come on. Can we all pray this together? Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying in my place. Lord, I know that I've sinned and I repent of my sin. I turn away and I turn to you today. I surrender my life. I make you my Lord and Savior. Lord, give me the grace. Give me the strength to live for you and stay connected to you, the true vine, all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, I pray. And everybody said, amen. Come on, let's celebrate with these this morning. Amen and amen. Hey, if you filled out that, I mean, if you made a decision, grab the connection card in the chair in front of you. I got to get used to saying chair now. Fill out that card, bring it to the info center. We have a Bible for you and some other materials. We want to help you get connected. You can jump in our Next Steps classes today. Encourage you to get into a life group so you continue to grow and be encouraged to connect to the vine. Amen. Why don't you stand up? Let's have a, one more closing prayer today. Come on, how many of y'all say, Brandon, I want, to, I want to continue to abide and be more intimate with Christ and more like Christ. If that's you, come on, slip. I got both my hands up. I'm not just doing this. I'm serious. I want to continue to, the more life goes on, the more I realize I need to be connected. Amen. Lord, I pray you would help us, Lord. There's many distractions in the world. And Lord, I just ask that you help us to abide in the true vine. We remain. We connect. Lord, I pray, help us to submit to the discipline process or to the pruning process. Come on, you may be saved and there's something you need to repent of today. Maybe there's some, some dirt that you've allowed in your life. The Lord's been disciplining you and working on you. And come on, he, he wants to remove that today. If you re repent, Lord, we repent of any sin today. We turn away from it. Turn to you, Lord God, even as born-again believers. And Lord, help us... To to submit to the pruning process, Lord. Even some of the good things in our life may be distraction, distracting and taking spiritual nourishment away from us so we're not producing the fruit that you've called us to produce. Lord, help us to submit and to have good attitudes through the pruning process so we'll be more like you, draw closer to you, and we can be a powerful witness to the world. We give you all the glory and honor. Bless these as they go today, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen and amen. We love y'all. God bless you. Guys, Men's Fish Fry Friday, sign up. We love to see you here at 6.30. Have a great day.